God is good. All the time. All the time. Second Peter chapter 3 this morning, we're going to conclude our series in the book of Second Peter, a series that we've entitled Made to Mature, a series about spiritual growth. That's what Peter's theme is in this book. So as we conclude today, I just want to give a quick commercial about a couple of things coming up. That means next Sunday we start a new series. And that series is going to be through the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. And that series is going to be entitled Made to Minister, a follow-up to the Made to Mature series. You see, God not only saved us to grow us, he saved us to serve. And all Christians should be serving the Lord in some capacity throughout our entire life. And we're going to look at what it means to be a servant of the Lord and how we more effectively can serve the Lord with our lives beginning next week. So we hope you'll join us for that. But I also want to say this. I know many of you have been coming out on Wednesday night for our series on Revelation, and I especially would encourage you to come these next two Wednesdays. This Wednesday, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 4, and then obviously the next Wednesday, Revelation 5. I don't think there's two more sublime chapters in all of the Word of God than Revelation 4 and 5. I hope you will join us. If not physically, maybe that you can join us by live stream, uh, but I would certainly encourage you to do so. They I think that they're just, again, the, the most sublime, maybe even the most significant, powerful chapters in all the Word of God. I want to read the passage we're going to be looking at today before we sort of climb into it. So if you'd follow along, 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 14 down through verse 18. And again, from beginning of the book to the end of the book, it's all about growth. Therefore, dear friends, since you are waiting for these things, the new heavens and the new earth, strive to be found at peace without spot or blemish when you come into his presence and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him. Speaking of these things in all his letters, some things in these letters are hard to understand, things the ignorant an unstable twist to their own destruction, as they also do to the rest of the Scriptures. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard that you do not get led astray by the error of these unprincipled men and fall from your firm grasp on the truth. But grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and on that eternal day. Today we're going to look at further results of our spiritual growth, if you will. Last week we saw that spiritual growth results in an eternal perspective, seeing things from God's perspective, having an eternal view rather than a short-sighted view of things that happen to us or to others or what happens in the world. And then also... Spiritual growth builds eternal priorities into our life. Instead of living just for the here and now, 
we begin to build our life to live for the hereafter, laying up treasure in heaven, if you will, investing in eternal things. Now, today we're going to continue that because, again, notice the beginning of verse 18, Peter says, but grow, but grow. And I would just like to say, those are two words that we could use no matter what. I'm going through this in my life. Fine, but grow. <laughs> I have this to deal with in my life. I get it, but grow. Spiritual growth will always put us in a better place, even to deal with the things that we've got to deal with. And remember that I would say over 90% of the things that you and I struggle with as Christians can eventually be overcome if we would just continue to grow. We would grow past them. We would grow out of them. We would grow beyond them. So, but grow. That's all Peter's talked about. Grow, grow, grow. And this morning, I want to begin with this. Another reason, motivation, inspiration to grow spiritually as a Christian is because spiritual growth prepares us to be in the presence of God. Spiritual growth prepares us to be in the presence of God. Notice the phrase at the end of verse 14. When you come, not if, if we're a Christian, it's just a matter of when. When you come into his presence. Think about it, my friends. Everyone here today who's a born-again Christian one day is going to stand before the Lord of glory. We're going to see him face to face. As John said, beloved, we are now the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed all that will be, but we know this, when we see him, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. Now, I don't know if that sends chills up your spine, but it does me when I come into his presence. And remember we said that from the moment we are saved, God begins to shape us and fit us to be in his presence. It's not like we get saved and then we just, you know, are supposed to just put it on automatic pilot and wait till we die or the rapture, and then God just sort of, you know, makes us fit and shape for heaven. He wants to start it the moment we're saved, you see. Yes, he will... He will do some transformation when we die or when we're raptured, that's for sure. But he wants to begin to shape us and fit us for eternity to be in his presence right here and now. In fact, Peter even ends this great book with these words. Notice, on that eternal day. What's the eternal day? It is the day for each of us that we step from earth into eternity. That's what eternal day is. And it's going to be different probably for every one of us. Unless we're that generation that goes up in the rapture, all of us are going to die at different times. So our eternal day is the day we leave earth and we step into eternity, never to experience anything other than eternity in God's presence forever and ever. And he wants us to be mindful of that. And part of our spiritual growth is being mindful of the fact that every day, I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus. I'm going to see him face to I'm going to see him in all his glory. I want to be prepared to be in the presence of God. I, I want to be 
in, in a good place spiritually. I, I want to be in a spiritually healthy place. I, I, I want to be doing what God is calling me and asking me to do. I mean, Jesus even said in the parables to his followers, occupy till I come. Do the business I've called you to do until I come so that I can say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Be in a good place. In fact, throughout this chapter, the last chapter of 2 Peter, Peter's been talking a lot about waiting. Notice back up in chapter 3, verse 12, while waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Verse 13, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth. Verse 14, therefore, dear friends, since you are waiting. Why is he talking about waiting? Because it speaks about what we should be continually looking forward to. And why is that important? Because what we are continually looking forward to should determine what we're living for. If I'm truly looking forward to being in the presence of God and being in heaven one day and knowing that this earth is just a very short trip for me, very short stop on my eternal life, then shouldn't it determine what I'm living for and how I'm living? That's what spiritual growth does. It, it keeps me mindful of the fact that I'm going to be in the very presence of God one day and that I want to be in a good place when I come into the presence of God. I, I want him to be finding me doing what he created and called me to do. I, I want to be making an impact. I want to be making a difference in the world. I want to be salt and light like he called me to. That's what I want to be mindful of. And when you and I are continually and consistently growing, that's going to be one of the things that is going to be on our mind and in our focus every day is, God, thank you for preparing me to be in your presence. Second, back up in verse 14, it also results in being at peace with God. Notice he says, therefore, dear friends, since you are waiting for these things, strive to be found at peace without spot or blemish when you come into his presence. Not only does spiritual growth result in being prepared for God's presence, it results in being at peace with God. What's it mean to be at peace with God? Because I thought as a Christian that once I accepted Christ as my Savior, Christ was my peace, that, that I have peace with God. Yes, absolutely. That's true. But this word speaks about a different kind of peace. This piece talks about bringing everything in my life as a Christian underneath, in a sense, the umbrella of God, being at one with God, being totally aligned with God. You see, as you and I sit here or stand here today, even as a Christian, we are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, but we may not have chosen in our Christian life as of yet to bring every little thing that I'm going through in my life to God or under God, if you will. And that's what it means to be at peace with God, to be at one. So, for instance, you and I then can begin to think as we apply this to our life, is there a part of my life that I haven't brought to God yet? Maybe it's something that you're trying to deal with yourself, 
and you have yet to bring it to God and say, God, I need you for this, or I need you to deal with this, or help me with this. Maybe it's something that you willfully are just saying, I don't want to bring that to God. See? Then what that is, is that's not being at peace with God, because there's something in my life that's hanging out there outside of God. And God wants us to be a people that no matter what it is, good, bad, it doesn't matter, that we learn to bring everything to him and everything underneath him, you see, under his authority, under his umbrella, under his care, under his enablement and all of that, that we bring everything under God. It doesn't mean that we're still not going to have to work through some things and process some things and all of that. But what it means is that we're looking to God to be the answer, the solution, the resource, the provision, if you will. And that's what it means to be at peace with him. Without spot or blemish simply means being of the highest quality. Think about the Old Testament sacrifices that were to be without spot and blemish. He's simply saying, if I truly believe that one day I'm going to be in his presence, then do not I want to again be in the best place possible? I love the title of one of the, I think, the best devotion that was ever written for Christians by Oswald Chambers. You know the title of it, My Utmost for His Highest. That's all Peter's saying here. That, that should be our heart's desire that I'm going to give everything, my all, my utmost for his highest because I'm going to be in his presence one day. And spiritual growth prepares me not only to be in God's presence, it enables me to be at peace with him. I learn throughout my spiritual growth that there's nothing too big or too small that I can't bring to God or underneath the umbrella of God. There's nothing that he can't help me with or, or anything like that. So I begin to bring every little thing, every big thing, every in-between thing to God. You see, that's being at peace. Another thing that results from our spiritual growth, keep reading there with me, into verse 14 and 15. Therefore, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul wrote to you about. Remember, he talked about that last week. In verse 9, the Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some regard slowness, but is being patient toward you because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Basically, Peter is again saying, don't wrongly interpret his delay of not coming back. Instead, look at it this way. Every day that God does not come back is an opportunity for you and I to pursue our purpose for why he's keeping us here. So you start to see, yeah, Pastor Jeff's on alliteration kick again, right? Spiritual growth prepares us for his presence. P, presence. Secondly, it allows us to be at peace with him. Peace. Third, it allows us to pursue our purpose. Purpose. The patience of our Lord 
should be regarded by Christians as salvation, an opportunity for salvation. Now, let me talk about that, because a lot of times as Christians, when we see the word salvation, all we think about is that time that somebody gives their heart to the Lord and accepts Christ as their Savior. And that's one way to look at that word. But that word has a broader meaning than just that particular application. It means any kind of deliverance, any kind of rescue, and especially in the Old Testament, and then very interestingly, in the entire book of Revelation, that word salvation also refers to spiritual victory. To spiritual victory. Okay, so keep tracking with me. In fact, think about even the Exodus. The Exodus that God gave to his people through the leadership of Moses was not just deliverance from Egypt, it was victory over the gods of Egypt. God showed that he was the one true God and that all the gods that they worshipped were no gods at all. He gave his people not only deliverance out of Egypt, he gave them spiritual victory. And he was going to give them even more spiritual victory if they would have, that generation would have trusted him to go into the promised land at the time he delivered them. But they did not believe, therefore they had to wander and die off until there was a generation that truly would believe in the promises of God in order to, again, achieve spiritual victory. That's what the book of Joshua is all about, you see. And that's what Peter's saying here. He's saying every day that God leaves us here should be a day that we realize, well, if God's left me here, if he hasn't come back in the rapture yet or he hasn't taken me home to glory, that means he's got a purpose for me being here one more day. Maybe it's to see spiritual victory in my own life. Maybe it's to encourage or help somebody else with spiritual victory or deliverance or rescue or even salvation in their own life. But God always has a purpose for his people. There's never a day that you and I are left here on this earth that doesn't have a purpose for it from God's perspective. Now, we may think, oh, why am I still here? All I can say is, if you have that perspective, start growing, because out of your spiritual growth, you will come to realize, my goodness, every day I'm here, I realize there's a purpose for me being here on planet Earth. God is, is delaying so that maybe there can be more salvations, more deliverances, more rescues, more spiritual victories seen in people's lives. So not only those that don't know God can come to him, but those of us that do know God could be in a better place and sort of get our spiritual house in order or go through a, a spiritual cleaning process in order to know we're going to be in his presence very soon. Purpose. Presence, peace. Purpose. Let's not stop there. Let's move on. He talks about Paul speaking of these things in all his letters. Some things in these letters are hard to understand. Can I just, I love Peter. Peter's such an encouragement to me, to the common Christian, because Peter even said, you know what? There's some things in the Bible hard to understand, and he, he admits it. 
I think sometimes as Christians, we're like afraid to admit there's parts of the Bible that's just much harder to, to understand or grasp or understand where God's coming from than others. But it's true. There is. Even Peter admits it. And I tell Christians all the time, don't get discouraged if you come across a book or a passage of Scripture or a chapter that just seems to be hard to grasp at first. Just stay with it. I have found in my entire Christian life of 50 years and now 38, you know, years as a pastor that it doesn't always come easy to me. I have to sometimes spend weeks and months on a passage before I start to see the things that are in there that God reveals to me. Some, some treasure, yeah, God lays it right out there on the surface for us to go, oh, there it is, boom, pick it up, easy, right? But a lot of times, God puts his treasure deep so that we have to spend a little time digging and putting forth a little effort in order to unearth the treasure that's down there. And Peter's bringing that point out. But then notice why he says these things. He says, but there comes along these people who have influence in the church, whether they have a formal teaching position, whether they lead a Bible study or a small group or whatever, and he says about them, they are ignorant and they are unstable. They really should not have the influence with God's people that they have. They really should not be leading or teaching because they are incompetent when it comes to handling the word of truth. And what they end up doing, he says, is they twist the scriptures. It's a very descriptive word. It's a word that was used in Peter's day to speak about dislocating a bone or literally wrenching a bone out of its socket. He's saying people come along and take Scripture out of context. And when it's taken out of context and it has no context to then build an interpretation around, you can pretty much prove anything that you want to by taking scriptures and wrenching them out of their context. One of the questions I get asked so often is, Pastor, why do you most always just take a book of the Bible and go through it from cover to cover? It's because I want to keep everything that God said in its proper context. It's the only way to come to a proper interpretation of it. It's also, to me, the best way to learn something and to be able to grow in our understanding of the Scriptures is just to take a book of the Bible, dive into it from cover to cover, and study it within its context. These people, whoever they are, are twisting it. They're dislocating it, if you will. They are misusing it. They are distorting the scriptures. And he says they do this to their own destruction. And guess what? They do it to all the other scriptures too, not just Paul's. Old and New Testament. Therefore, he says, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard that you do not get led astray by the error of these unprincipled men and fall from your firm grasp on the truth. Next words, spiritual growth results in protecting our position. Protecting our position. 
I want to direct you especially to two words. The word guard is a military term in verse 17. It means to be continually vigilant and alert, to protect something. He's saying we as Christians, the only way we can properly guard our position and protect it is to be growing so that we're more discerning and perceptive and aware of the things that may be influencing us, whether it's even the lies of the devil or other people's false thoughts about God or his word or something that could come in. And then notice the word fall at the end of verse 17. Can Christians fall? Absolutely. I don't believe any Christian can lose their salvation, but I do believe that Christians can fall from our firm grasp of the truth. We can, we can fall from a secure, stable position to a very insecure and unstable position by allowing things that aren't true, that aren't right. Scripture's taught you know, in a, in a distorted way, people who misuse Scripture, if that begins to influence us, then we can fall from our position. And so Peter's saying, you know, one of the great results of spiritual growth, it protects us, and it protects our position. See, positionally, even Jesus said through Paul, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. God wants us to stay there. That's why Jesus said, remain in me, abide in me. Don't ever leave that position. We saw that a couple of weeks ago, even in the book of Revelation, when Jesus told the church at Ephesus, you've left your first love. You know what he said to them next? He said, remember from what high state you have fallen and repent. Jesus saying, you know when you were on top, when you kept me as your first love. But when you began to, to not worship me, as you should worship me and acknowledge me, you fell. You fell from your high position. It's possible to fall. And we as Christians need to be aware of our vulnerability to that. But the great protection of our position in Christ, allowing us to maintain our high position in Christ, spiritual growth. Which is why then he says in verse 18, but grow. What's the antidote to falling? Growth. What's the prescription for falling away from this great position I have in Christ? Growing, growing, growing. By the way, in verse 18, notice something about spiritual growth. When we're growing, we grow in grace and knowledge. Let me use another than P word. When we're growing properly, there is proportional development in our life. Balance. Balance. It's not just head, knowledge. It's heart, grace. So many Christians are unbalanced. They might fill their heads with all kinds of Bible knowledge, but their heart is not affected. That's grace. Or they concentrate so much on heart, grace, but they never learn more about God, and so the head is empty. It's both. It's got to be both head and heart, and there's got to be balance to our growth. There's got to be proportional growth, which is why at the Oasis we strive so much to make our worship and the Word not only complement each other, 
so that we're balanced, but that even in our worship and even in the word, we're trying to affect both head and heart at the same time. Because that's the way it's supposed to be, you see. Proportional development as we grow. Let me give you another result of our spiritual growth. If you go back up to verse 14, he starts out by calling these folks that he's writing to dear friends. Notice he uses this phrase four times in this last chapter. In verse 17, therefore, dear friends. If you go back up to chapter 3, verse 1, he starts it out, dear friends. And then if you come down to verse 8, he says, now, dear friends. Now, even though he likes these people, even loves these people, and has obviously an, an affection for who he's writing to, that's not what he's saying here. He's reminding these people of how beloved by God they are. I mean, yeah, he loves them too, but he is reminding them in this phrase, you are beloved by God. You are cherished by God. You are precious to God. And I would also like to say then that's another result of spiritual growth. Spiritual growth helps us realize how precious we are to God. The closer we get to God, the more we realize how much he truly loves us, treasures us, adores us, cherishes us, how precious we are to him. A Christian who's not growing has a harder and harder understand, uh, time just either accepting that God loves them so much or all of that. The closer you get to God, the more you get close to his heart for you and the more you realize how much you are loved, which is another, why not want to grow? Because part of that growth is going to be, God, I, I just realize more and more as I grow closer to you, how, how special I am to you, how, how much I mean to you, how, how much you value me and treasure me. That's in the words, dear friends, as well. One more. One more. Bound down to verse 18. After all that Peter has said, he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be the honor both now and on that eternal day. You know, another result of spiritual growth, increased praise. There's my last P word, praise. The more I grow, the more I realize how much I should be praising and worshiping and adoring and exalting the Lord with my lips and with my life. And that's exactly what Peter ends this book with. To him, not to us, O Lord, not to us, O Lord, but to you be the honor. And notice he says, yes, one day on that eternal day when all of us step from our earthly existence into eternity, we will praise you, God. We will worship you. We will exalt you. We will adore you. That's one of the main things we're going to be doing throughout eternity is to worship the Lord, our God, and to remind ourselves how worthy he is of our worship. But don't miss this little three-letter word that Peter also includes in verse 18. He says, not not only on that eternal day, but when? Now, he says, he should be honored. Now. 
that it's not wait till I get to heaven to throw myself down in adoration and to bow down before the Lord and to lift up my voice and all of that. It's now. It's losing my inhibitions about worshiping and singing out. And you guys are, you're getting there. You're growing. We just need to keep growing. But we need to get to a place as a church where we don't worry anymore about what the person thinks next to us as we're shouting and singing and praising the Lord. Because guess what? On that eternal day, we're not going to care. It's not going to matter. We're going to be so captivated and enamored by the glory of the Lord that all we're going to think about is, I just want to lift up my voice as loud as I can. I just want to praise him all day. I don't want to stop praising him. I don't want to stop worshiping him. To him be the honor both now and on that eternal day. God doesn't want us to wait till we get to heaven to start learning how to worship him. He wants to build us to be devoted, enthusiastic worshipers right here and now. And that's one of, again, the great results of spiritual growth. So as we come to the end of this series on growth, I just wonder for each of us, What's changing? Anything? Any kind of commitment to say, you know what? I can't go through a series like this and not make any change to my life. I, I, can't, I can't hear what Peter has said in his word and not make some kind of, of commitment to spiritual growth in my life. I, I have seen with my own eyes in these last Eight, nine weeks we've been in Second Peter, just all the great reasons and inspirations and motivations for spiritual growth. And even in this very last five verses that Peter gives, he gives me so many wonderful reasons why I should want to grow. I have a greater realization of how precious I am to God. I have a greater chance of being at peace with God. I have a, a greater ability to pursue my purpose every day as God delays his coming. I have a better opportunity to protect my position and not fall from that position. I have a better opportunity to keep my Christian growth balanced and proportional rather than getting out of balance one side or the other. And I have a greater opportunity to be able to praise the Lord and live a life of worship for him as I'm growing. If someone, a Christian, I'll say, I preface that. If a Christian was to ask me, pastor, what's the single biggest thing that I as a Christian should focus on for the rest of my life? I would unhesitatingly and quickly say, set your path on spiritual growth. That's it. Passionate pursuit of spiritual growth should be the number one priority because it affects everything, including, to me, the most important thing. It prepares me for God's presence. And I'll end with this. By way of application, I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think it's twisting the scriptures to say this. 
Yes, Peter is primarily saying spiritual growth prepares us to be in God's presence one day physically. But the Bible also teaches that spiritual growth prepares me to be in God's presence spiritually right here and now. Because every time you and I pray, guess what? We're in God's presence. Every time we worship, we're in God's presence experiencing his presence. Every time we're listening to God through his word, we are in the presence of God. Every time we are together as God's people, God is here in our midst. He's in our presence. So when we spiritually grow, we're not just setting ourselves up for eternity. We're also setting ourselves up for the right here and now to get the most out of being spiritually with the presence of God. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? God, I pray today that we would be inspired and motivated, God, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That more than ever before, God, our heart would be yours. And that before we throw our time and, and money and energy and effort into all these other earthly things, that we figure out with our life how we can put more time and money and energy and effort into our spiritual growth, into drawing closer to you and who you created us and made us to be, God. One day, God, we're going to be in your presence and be there to worship you with all that we've got. But God, Peter told us, don't wait for the eternal day, the day that every one of us steps from earth into eternity. Let's start now. Now. Now, God, we have the opportunity to honor you as you deserve. So for these next few moments, God, would you accept the worship of your people here at the Oasis Church this morning? And would we worship you with everything we've got. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.